welcome to another episode of the Tax Chick Podcast. This is actually a very special episode. Do you know why it's a special episode? Well, because it happens to be the 50th episode of the podcast. Isn't that crazy? I didn't realize it until I went to um, finalize the uploads and realized that this was number 5-0. I can't wait to see what the next 50 episodes bring, but yay for the first 50. And I'm so excited that on this rather momentous occasion, I happen to have a pretty awesome guest and fellow tax chick joining me as a guest on, on this episode. I have the wonderful Anna founder um, and owner of AdvoTax in Toronto. Anna is a fellow tax litigator that I met through my my tax chick work, and she is just fantastic. I got the chance to meet her in Toronto a couple of years ago. We went out for breakfast, and she was even better in person than she was uh, online and just so fantastic, and I, I hope to get to see her again in person sometime soon. Anna was actually on the podcast um, back in an earlier season. She kicked off season two of the podcast, and we talked all about the connection between real estate and taxes. So if you are in the realtor business, if you're in the house flipping business, if you have some investment properties, um, that is the podcast episode for you. We drop a lot of information about GST and HST, um, capital versus income, just some things you need to keep in mind uh, when you're working in that industry. So I do encourage you to check it out. That's in season two of the podcast. And today, Anna is back and uh, she's chatting with us about the underused housing tax. Now, if you're listening to this and thinking, what the heck is the underused housing tax? Uh, Never fear. We shall explain it and we'll also tell you that it might actually apply to you even if you don't think it does. So in this episode, Anna and I are going to break down what this tax is and what filings are required. And more importantly, what happens if you don't comply? Because the penalties are pretty nasty, given the potential broad application um, of this new tax. And we're also tackling some of the uh, situations that you might not think of where this tax is going to apply and what information you should be gathering or questions you should be asking your advisor um, to see whether or not you fall into this category. So I'm excited to share this episode with you. It's a great way to kick off fall and uh, sort of the the end of this season of the podcast. There'll be a few more episodes before I close off for the season and take a little break. My husband and I just got back from Vancouver. We were there for like a whirlwind, I don't know, it was like 36 hours or 48 hours because we went to see Drake. And luckily, we had tickets to the second night of the concert, not the first night of the concert that got postponed. Our night was fine. I got lots of DMs and questions asking if um, we actually made it to the concert. We did. It was fantastic. I went in as a lukewarm Drake fan, and I came out as like a serious Drake fan. My husband already was a serious Drake fan, so nothing changed post-concert for him, but it was fantastic. We had a great time. Uh, We kept to ourselves because it was such a short trip, so I didn't get a chance to see any of my Vancouver friends, but I promise you I'll hit you up next time I am in town. That's our last trip for the summer. It's like summer's over. Now we're getting back into the grind, uh, back into the swing of things, into the school year. I know everyone else around here is as well, and I'm kind of excited for the routine of it all. I've got some fun stuff coming up. I'm going to be in Toronto in November for a couple of days. I'm going to be in London, England for a week in December for work, which I'm super excited about. 
And coming up uh, very soon here in September, on September 21st, I'm a keynote speaker at a local event here in Saskatoon, which is going to be really fun. I'm going to be speaking on death and taxes. If you're in the Saskatoon area, I really hope that you can uh, join in for the event. Um, also, I'm going to be speaking with Christy Peters, who is a entrepreneur, chef, and all-around amazing individual um, here in Saskatoon. And we're going to be sharing some knowledge with you while you enjoy a delicious meal on the stage at TCU Place here in Saskatoon. Anyway, before we get to all of that, I have to share first with you about the underused housing tax because, I mean, that's what we're all here for. So without further ado, I'm going to go on to this episode and uh, I really hope that you enjoy the conversation between Anna and I. Well, welcome, Anna, to the podcast. Welcome back, Anna, to the podcast, a repeat guest. It's so wonderful to have you on again. Thank you so much for having me back. Always a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so glad that we eventually got to meet in person when I was in Toronto, because I think you just meet people over the screen all the time and you don't get a real feel for their energy. And it was just fun to meet up with you and have breakfast with you. And hopefully we can meet up again in person soon. A fellow tax chick. The feelings are mutual. It was great to meet you in person. And for the listeners, she is Amanda is even greater in person than she is uh, on screen or in your uh, AirPods. So if you have a chance to meet uh, uh, her at a conference, uh, you know, anywhere, use that chance is my advice. Oh, you are too, you are too sweet. Well, I hope we see each other again. But in the meantime, you and I as tax litigators have had lots to chat about over the last couple of months. And we were just saying that there have been so many changes coming down that are going to create some excitement for taxpayers and for tax advisors in the coming year. And you call it, you know, excitement? I'm going to call it excitement. Yes. (laughs) My tax planning partners may not feel the same way, but (laughs) today we're going to, we're going to tackle one of those and, and we're tackling this one because I think it does apply much broader than perhaps the average taxpayer assumes that it would apply. And so our goal today is going to be to provide a bit of an overview of this. So if you're listening to it and wondering, oh, I thought this didn't apply to me, maybe it does. We can give you some tools of of what to talk to your advisor about. So today our big topic is the underused housing tax, which I think is kind of a bad name for it as a starting point. I mean, underused housing tax is a bit confusing, but nonetheless, it's a new set of rules that came into play. So we're going to talk about what it is, uh, why you might want to be concerned about it. We're going to talk about some pesky penalties that are associated with it, and then some information you might want to be gathering um, to sort of figure out if you if you fall into these categories. So should we jump right in with uh, what is the underused housing tax? Uh, sure. So the underused housing tax, and I agree, I don't know if I like the name very much, is a tax in the amount of 1% of the value uh, of the property, of the residential property per year that's imposed on non-residents or non-Canadian citizens who own residential real estate in Canada. If that residential real property is vacant or underused. So if we have a property, a real estate property, uh, residential real estate property in Canada sitting 
unused, owned by a non-citizen, non-permanent resident of Canada. The government says this is a bad situation. We want this property to be available to our residents, to our citizens, to people who live in Canada. So we're going to impose this tax, hope, hoping that the tax will scare away all those bad non-residents, non-citizens who are buying Canadian real estate and not using Canadian real estate. So that's the story behind the, ta- the tax. As you can I like tell, that you the- called it the story. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it, it, it is. It's the policy. There's been a lot of mm. debate on how much in, uh, revenues the tax will bring to the government and the consensus was not a lot and uh, um, w- there was a lot of debate as to how big of a problem this underused housing is and the general conclusion in the industry was it's it is a bit it was a bit of a problem in Vancouver from what I hear mm. it's not that much of a problem anywhere else in the country based on statistics I've seen. So there was a lot of debate as to, was it really worth it? Is it really worth it? Especially considering the burden we're about to place on Canadians. So that's the main, really, I think it's the main topic of our discussion today. I agree. So, I mean, if if you might have heard a word about this UHT or underused housing tax, on the news um, or in the newspaper. And there was always this focus on it applying to non-citizens, non-permanent residents. It was intended to target non-Canadian citizens, non-Canadian residents. Um, But as we discovered, it can hit Canadians as well. And so that's going to be the focus of our chat today. So maybe first we should say, if we discover that you might be, uh, or maybe I should ask this differently, how can Canadians potentially be caught by this before we go into what the tax filing is? Okay, I'm going to try and formulate a, a, a three-step test that anyone, assessment test Ooh. that anyone can run and uh, determine whether or not they need to call their accountant or their tax lawyer. <laughs> uh, so the test goes like this. Um, is the property in your own name? So first of all, obviously, we need to have a residential property. A residential property is generally normally a house, a condo, a townhouse. Um, the, the, the definition is more complex, but for our intents and purposes, uh, regular people, this is what they need to think about. Do I own a residential property? Do I own a a house, a condo, a townhouse, and you were in Canada? If the answer is yes, do I own it in my own name? Is Is my name on the title or do I own it in trust for someone maybe? Do I hold it in trust for a relative who is disabled? Do I hold it in trust for someone who, for whatever reason, couldn't be on uh, title due to financing mortgages, uh, mortgage requirements? So that's condition number one. So if you own it in your name, that's good. You met that condition number one. Condition number two, do you own it directly, not through a corporation or through a um, partnership with someone else? Do you own it directly? Do you do you is your name on title? 
Again, if the answer is yes, you good, you met the condition number two. And condition number three, and for many Canadians, this is a condition that will be may not be met. Are you the sole 100% owner? Do you have any co-owners? Do you hold the property together with your husband, with your wife, with your child, with uh, your business partner, with uh, someone else? So if you are the sole 100% individual owner holding the property and there's your name on title and nobody else's name, then I have good news for you. You probably will not be affected and you're a Canadian citizen, Canadian resident. Um, then I have good news. You probably will not be affected by this new scary tax. If you don't meet any of the conditions, if you hold the property together with your spouse, if you hold the property together with your child, if you hold the property through a holding corporation, if you hold the property in trust for someone else or as an executor of the trust for a person who deceased or as a uh, trustee for um, for someone who um, uh, who is disabled or for any other reason, my advice is to pick up the phone and call your accountant, your tax lawyer, because chances are, uh, my apologies. Maybe somebody's calling you the tax lawyer right now. Uh, to tell me, you yeah, they people think say UHD calling applies. <laughs> yeah. People started calling me yeah, already. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, okay. so that's the message. If you uh, if you did not meet all three conditions, pick up the phone, talk to your accountant just in case. Because guess what? If you have um, if you have to file a uh, UHC return, and that's a return that you may have to file as a Canadian, even if you don't owe any tax. If you don't file your tax, your return on time, there may be, well, there will be a penalty for late filing in the amount of, get ready for this, $5,000 for individuals minimum or $10,000 for the corporation minimum. The penalty can even be higher depending on certain uh, situations. But... Imagine that you don't have to pay tax. You're Canadian. You hold Canadian real estate. And just by not filing the return on time, you will owe the government $5,000 if it's an individual, $10,000 if it's a corporation. Massive, massive, brutal penalties. And as of now, there are not many excuses to say available in the legislation. Uh, for you to say, oh, I didn't know, or my accountant didn't tell me, or, you know, I this is a new tax. I didn't think it applied to you because I thought it applied to non-residents. Not, not, excuses are not available. If you're late with that return, you can be exposed to penalties. And the deadline for the return this year is not later than November 1st, well, before November 3rd. First is when they will want to see the return. Generally, for the following year, the deadline will be August. Oh, sorry, April thirtieth. Uh, 
So yeah, they they changed it on us this year because they were originally going to make everyone file by April 30th of this year in accordance with your normal filing process, but they gave a little bit of extra time, which doesn't bode well for anybody who misses the November deadline because I think CRA is going to say, hey, we already gave you a couple extra months to figure this out. If you're late, you're late. So even if you've already, if you're an individual and you think you don't meet some of these conditions and therefore you're phoning your advisor to find out if you fall into these categories, even if you've already filed your tax return for 2023 or for 2022, sorry, um, which hopefully you've done, um, doesn't mean you're off the hook because it means you might have missed this one filing, which is going to have to get done before November the 1st. So very important to keep that in mind. And then, like you've said, for future years, because this is going to be a year by year requirement. It is not a one and done. Is that is that correct? Uh, absolutely. It, it, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's here to stay. And another uh, mm -hmm. point to remember is that many people have a routine by developed with their accountants depending on their financial year end or when they prepare their uh, business tax returns, if it's a corporation. So some people uh, have a routine to meet with their accountants, let's say every June or every August or every uh, October. Uh, and that, that routine may not coincide with the April 30th uh, deadline for UHC or with mm -hmm. this year's uh, deadline uh, before November 1st which means that uh, there is an even higher chance that the accountants may forget because it's not in their calendar, it's not in their routine, and taxpayers may, may forget. So it's a minefield, and the penalties are brutal, and um, no excuses are taken by the CRA. That it's very scary. I mean, these are extremely high penalties. And we were just talking before we pressed record about how if you're someone that had like multiple investment properties that this happened to apply to, I mean, the penalties could be extraordinary. It could put you out of business, right? It could be that huge. So um, I guess to, to sort of recap what we've chatted about, you want to take a look at what you own. And if you own some properties, you want to look at, is it is it you that owns them or are you owning them in trust for someone else through a corporation, however we want to look at it? Are you owning it on your own or are you owning it with someone else? And, um, you know, are, are, you, are you sort of that direct, I guess, property owner is really our key. We have a lot of people who own things through holding companies. We have a lot of people who are owning things jointly with someone else. Those are going to be some of your triggers. And if any of those triggers apply to any of your properties, you've got people with cabin properties, people with, people with rental properties, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a big corporation that might have this apply to them. Even if you're a Canadian citizen, call up your advisor because you want to get an advance, uh, in advance of those November 1st deadlines, get those filings done because then you at least won't have this penalty that will apply to you. And keep in mind that if it, if this filing is needed for this year, it's probably needed for each subsequent year, so long as you continue to hold the property in the same way. So it'll now become part of your routine each year that if you filed it once, you're probably going to have to file it again, but you're going to want to get back into the habit of doing that. So very, very scary new piece of legislation for taxpayers. So I mean, I know you and I have been fielding a lot of calls about this from clients as to whether whether things apply or not. I wondered if you could talk a little bit about maybe one of the more common questions that you get asked or some of the more common scenarios that could be caught 
by this legislation? Well, the most common scenarios relate to condition number three you and I talked about uh, five minutes ago, which is if you are not the sole or uh, the sole owner uh, as a Canadian resident, permanent resident citizen, if you don't hold the property 100% to uh, as the sole owner, you may have um, filing obligations. And the most common scenario is two spouses holding a property together as, uh, you know, their family home or their investment property or as part of their, you know, real estate portfolio that they own together and run together. Um, another common uh, scenario is uh, when someone adds a, their child to the title of the house for probate uh, purposes. So now you used to be the sole owner of the house. You're no longer the sole owner of the house. You hold it together with your child. What happens then? And the answer is you're going to love it. It depends. It depends. Uh, the answer to this will depend whether or not to whatever you have with that your other co-owner, whether or not you hold the property as partners or merely as co-owners. And that's when people get very confused because even some lawyers will need a refresher for themselves to understand exactly the difference between simple co-owners and partners and to make things even more confusing um, partnership laws differ slightly from uh, one jurisdiction to another in throughout Canada so Ontario partnerships law, partnership laws may be slightly different from Saskatchewan or Alberta or Manitoba or British Columbia. So every determination, ideally, you would need, you would, I, if you want to play by the rules and be entirely safe, um, ideally you want to get a blessing from a lawyer who knows uh, the definition of partnership in your province and say, yeah, I looked at your argument and I'm pretty confident what you have is not a partnership. Now let's talk about what a partnership is. And as an Ontario lawyer, I, I will talk about Ontario laws. Mm -hmm. And in Ontario, partnership is a, uh, is, a, is an arrangement whereby you carry on business uh, together with a view of profit. Um, a lot of times a partnership is formalized by a partnership agree agreement. But you don't need to have an agreement in order to have a partnership under common law. So technically, you and your neighbor can agree to, uh, you know, build a house together and then sell it. And then you contribute funds and then you decide who's liable for what. And, and generally, the, the, uh, there are certain criteria that clearly defines partnership in each scenario. But in most cases, for, so for a regular person who is listening to us trying to figure out do I have a problem or not, a partnership would entail a certain degree of business activity, mm -hmm. some business action that's more than a regular co-owners holding the title to the property. Mm -hmm. 
So the most common question here is though, okay, well, my husband and I, we hold an investment property together. So our business, if we can call it a business, is collecting rental checks once a month from our tenant. Are we in business? Do we carry on business in common with a view of profit? Do we now have a partnership? And here the, the answer is probably, I mean, I would have to ask more questions, but in most cases, the answer will be no. Most investment properties held by spouses as co-owners will not amount to a business carried on in common with a view of profit, will not amount in a partnership arrangement between uh, spouses. So in most cases, spouses holding investment properties will uh, be exempt from this filing requirement for UHC. But there isn't a rule set in stone. There isn't an exemption clearly stated anywhere. And uh, what my conclusion is based on uh, the law of partnership in Ontario and a number of CRA publications where they have confirmed that the simple co-ownership of two people of an investment property does not amount to partnership. Having said so, if we're talking, um, if you're worried, my advice would be to consult with a local practitioner in your local jurisdiction, with a local lawyer, and, and confirm that what you have with your spouse or with your child is not a partnership, especially if, especially if uh, you hold more than one property especially if you, let's say, employ people who help you with cleaning or maintenance. Uh, or, you know, if, there's in, if your business is more than simply holding an investment property waiting for a rental check to come in, that's a sign for you to talk to someone and confirm that you don't have a partnership. And, uh, and maybe it's a worse investment uh, because if you're wrong in your conclusion, the penalties are brutal and they're per, uh, per, uh, they, they apply per property. So uh, make, uh, do the math. <laughs> well, and, and maybe just to kind of recap. So we've talked about the fact that there's this, this new tax that's come into play. And there's two pieces to the tax. There's a filing obligation, and then there may or may not be a tax that also applies as part of the filing. And so you talked about the fact that the tax is, you know, 1% of the value of the property, et cetera. So when we're talking about penalties applying and whether you have to file, it's important to take a step back and think, okay, I might have to file, but there are a number of exceptions which avoid you having to pay the tax. So the actual act of going ahead and filing will actually cost you nothing other than your professional costs to get the filing done. But it doesn't necessarily mean that whatever your scenario is, is going to require both a filing and a tax. The problem is, is if you miss the filing, that's what's going to attract this penalty. That's where this 5000 minimum for individuals and 10000 minimum for corporations comes in. So this is why, you know, Anna and, and myself are both saying, it is completely worth your while to pick up the phone if you have any questions and check in with your advisor and get local advice on this 
because the amount that you will save by just completing a filing, because you may not even need to pay the tax, just to complete the filing and to avoid that penalty is huge. So I think that's really key and really important to keep in mind. And with investment properties, there is such a range, like you've indicated, in terms of how people can own investment properties. And if you're a husband and wife and you you bought a condo so your kids can stay in it while they're going to university and you're collecting like an ad hoc type rent from them, that is a totally different scenario than you have multiple and you know investment properties. You're collecting rent. You employ people to clean them. You employ managers to look after them. That is two sides of the spectrum. And so it's very fact specific and important that you get some specific advice. Well, I, I really appreciate you popping on today to talk about this. I hope that we were able to raise some red flags for people because there is still time. There is still time to call your your friendly accountant. And I mean, we're the lawyers, so we're not the ones that are often getting these last minute communications, but we see our friends, the accountants getting these, um, you know, midnight calls that it's the last minute and we're trying to avoid that for them because sometimes then they have to call us to get an opinion and we don't want to be last minute either. So try to start dealing with this sooner rather than later. This is not the thing that you want to bury your head in the sand on. But Anna, it's always wonderful having you on. Uh, Thank you so much for your knowledge and your time today. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have you on again in a future season. Thank you very much for having me. As always, it's been a pleasure. Well, that is all we have time for today. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode, and I hope that it was helpful for you. Again, please check out the show notes for resource material that we discussed um, today's episode and also to learn more about our guest today. And if you have an idea for a future episode, if there's a topic that you think is a burning topic you want to see me address, please feel free to reach out at the tax check podcast at gmail.com. Also, if you haven't checked out my new website, uh, www.thetaxchick.ca, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty proud of myself. It's a pretty cool website. All my blog posts are on there. Um, Quite a bit of information is available. So feel free to check that out and let me know what you think. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.